Welcome back to the Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna. Dyson's here. Hello. And this is Dark Adaptation. shows a very different side of the family, that this family also had some very dark secrets. Um, there were allegations. drove a vehicle off a cliff in Mendocino County, California, killing herself, her wife, and their six adopted children. The story became national news. as presented itself one way to the public, you know, as a progressive, multiracial family, often showing up at political rallies, music festivals. Why Jennifer Hart drove her family from their home in Woodland, Washington, and days later ended up at the bottom of a hundred-foot cliff in Northern California. Welcome to episode 15. Episode 15, one five. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of that's a lot of episodes, and it's also not counting the two parters. I say that every time, but it's <laughs> so much fucking work. I don't. I'm giving you credit. I know because some of these are four hours long, and they don't realize it because the two parters come out in two weeks instead of one. I don't think this one will be a two parter, but yeah, it is crazy to say episode fifteen, knowing there's more than that. Yeah. I hope that everyone liked our haunted episode, our haunted places. Oh, I sure did. This week where. Dialing it back down, we are taking it back into the more traditional true crime space for a pretty, pretty wild one. Um, definitely sad, but just all around researching this case, it's just like, I think out loud, I literally just went, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. so many times, because it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Honestly, I heard about this case Last week, when there was just like a little message that comes up on the computer, it will be like, oh, here's the weather for today. And then there's different like news items. And there was an article that was like four years later. And then it was talking about this case. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the hell is this? I never heard about it. So I was reading um, up on it, reading like old articles and stuff. And I was like, damn, this is wild. I want to talk about this because I never heard about it. All right. So this week is the case of the Hart family murders. On March 26, 2018, in Northern California, a motorist on Highway 1 in Mendocino County, California, spotted a horrific sight. 100 feet off a cliff leading to the Pacific Ocean, there was a gold Yukon SUV. It was upside down on the jagged shoreline. In the wreckage, authorities recovered the bodies of married couple Jennifer and Sarah Hart and three of their adopted children, Marcus, Jeremiah, and Abigail. Over the next few weeks, the remains of two more of their children were discovered, Hannah and Sierra. The body of their sixth child, Devante, has never been found. Friends and family were devastated and bewildered when they heard the news. The Hearts seemed so happy and lived a picture-perfect life. There was no signs that something was wrong. What prompted a seemingly normal mother to drive off a cliff with her wife and six children in the car? Oh, my God. Wild. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Jennifer Jean Hart was born on June 4th, 1979. Sarah Margaret Hart was born on April 8th, 1979. April 8th is Kobe's birthday. Oh. Too bad. Older than him. (laughs) Too bad he has to share it with 
Sarah Margaret Hart. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, he has to even it out, right? I guess so. Yeah. So true. Because he's a fucking angel. He's a sweet boy. Okay, so both of these two women, they attended Northern State University in South Dakota and they began dating. Uh, both women majored in elementary education with Sarah focusing on special education. After Sarah graduated in 2002, Jennifer left the university without graduating. So both of these women majoring in elementary education, focusing on special education. Mm-hmm. Two women that you'll come to find out probably should not be around children. And that's what they were majoring in. Oh, no. Why does it always happen? It makes me think about like um, girls that you know from high school who were like the the biggest pieces of shit or like the hugest bitches ever mm-hmm. going in to become like nurses or child and youth workers. It's because they've got a heart <laughs> of gold, okay? They're just misunderstood. And also oh. they like oppressing other people and it's weird. Um, yeah, it always seems to be the ones that shouldn't be in it that go into it. Not always, but it... Often. A high amount Too of many. them, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. It's it's gross. Jennifer stated that the women were initially closeted and faced ostracism once they publicly outed themselves, prompting the couple to move. Members of Jennifer's and Sarah's families stated that the two women distanced themselves from them, although both families were accepting of their sexual orientation and openly said, like, didn't matter to us like later down the road you hear that literally the only reason that the parents would have ever had problems with their daughters was their parenting styles and that was like the only thing that and they had ever said negative towards them nothing to do with their sexual orientation or making them feel weird about being lesbians nothing weird i know yeah and they so they moved and they went to Alexandria, Minnesota in Minnesota, Minnesota in 2004, which is another weird part about this because Minnesota wasn't at this point, especially 2004, embracing same sex couples, anything LGBTQ plus. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why would you choose to go to Minnesota? Yeah. In 2005, Sarah asked a local court to have her last name changed to match Jennifer's. I don't know what Sarah's last name was before this, but so at this point, they both became Sarah and Jennifer Hart. Okay. The couple went to Connecticut to get married in 2009 because, like I said, Minnesota wasn't... Uh, allowing it. Yeah, they, they weren't, weren't having it yet. Was not up, up to the same pace as Connecticut. They weren't ready to be oot and proud. Oot. Oot and proud. Oot and proud. Oot and proud? Jesus Christ. <laughs> How much percent German are you? <laughs> 17. <laughs> you actually have the number. I can see it. I can see my the breakdown in my head. Yes. Yeah. All right. Because you, you have photographic memory. Um, if I care enough about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when do you think Minnesota legalized same-sex marriage? If Connecticut did Trick it, question. They haven't done it yet. Oh, I'm, that would be fucked. That would be absolutely uh, fucked. Ab- absolutely <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Sorry. That's how fucked My it Irish would be. fighter came up for a minute. Your Irish fighter heard my German. Go fighting Irish. 
Utena but Utena but Absolutely fucked. One ping only. And then my David Spade came out. <laughs> my fucking laugh. Oh my god. Okay, but for real, when do you think Minnesota legalized same-sex marriage? Uh, honestly, like I'm surprised that it it hadn't already. Because I was just trying to remember back. I was like, I could like it. It just feels so long ago that I. It feels like it was like 20 years ago, but obviously it wasn't. Well, it was August first. 2013. That's fucked, Minnesota. Come on, that's way too late. Even thinking about how Connecticut, it was 2009, and it's like, oh, wow, that's so early compared to some states, and it's like, okay, but it's still 2009. Yeah. You know what's weird? (laughs) It's funny that you got this story, and then we're asking this, because two days ago, the Canada Civil Marriage Act was something I was looking into, and Canada was one of the first countries in the world to legalize gay marriage. Same in two th- or s- s- excuse me, yes, you're right. Same sex marriage, but they legalized it in 2005. Oh, I thought it was 2002. So wow, 2005. But yeah, yeah, I knew that we were one of the first. Why was I still bullied then? <laughs> <laughs> Paul Martin was okay with it. Why isn't anyone else? <laughs> that might be why. <laughs> <laughs> the gays get everything, not the lesbians. I forget. I'm not even a lesbian. I just I said gay marriage because that's like literally how they talked about it back yeah, then. It, that it was, was the only way. They never called it the same sex or the um civil marriage act. They called it the gay marriage act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when I was looking at it, they said the same thing. Yeah. Yep, still said it. Both women worked at a department store until Jennifer became a stay-at-home mom in 2006 when they adopted the first three children of their eventual six children. Okay. Here's something that... a lot of kids to adopt. Six is a lot, yeah. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids to have in general. Mm -hmm. And they're all... um, They're all relatively, relatively young when they were adopted and close in age, so it's just a lot of children. Yeah. Uh, I read this and I was researching and I was just like, what the fuck? So prior to adopting their children, um, these first three, the Hearts were foster parents to a 15-year-old girl. And a week before their first three children were due to arrive from Texas, the Hearts dropped the girl off near where the girl was attending um, therapy sessions. Yeah. And then when the girl went in for her session, the therapist was just like, um, yeah, so the hearts aren't going to come back for you. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Just left her. Oh, my God. If that's that's like the, the cliched, like, leave them in the fucking amusement park parking lot and drive off. But it, they left her at her therapist's. Yeah. And I read that it was oh. that she they just kind of dropped her off near there. They didn't even like bring her in, say goodbye properly. They were just like, like what? They like pulled so, up yeah. like on the same block, yeah. but they didn't for real. Because of what they were embarrassed to her. I guess so. <laughs> they don't want to see the therapist dropping her off. They're like, oh, we're gonna get our three adorable little children, and we don't care about you. You're 15. Bye. Oh, is it because she's not worth money anymore? No, she would be at that point. Um. Who cares? Even if That's she wasn't. 
ridiculous. No, it's not as right. I was just thinking because like, you're a scumbag. That's what you would think. Fucked up, right? That's fucking. It's just like the first red flag. Like, oh, okay. You haven't even gotten these three, three children yet. Not like you're going to take on one small child. Yep. Three children. You have literally abandoned this poor girl. Yeah, you you got swapped out for three more kids. Who's already, like, obviously who has enough to deal with that she's going to therapy sessions. And So this poor girl now has to go back into the foster care system. Yep. At 15. Yep. So she's probably going to spend the rest, those next three years. Most likely. Just cycling through the system. Because it's 15, yeah. That's it's always fucking, happened to her before, too. That's, that shit shouldn't happen. That's it's, brutal. It's just gross. So the first three children that Jennifer and Sarah adopted were three-year-old Abigail, four-year-old Hannah, and nine-year-old Marcus. They were all actually biological siblings, and they were from Colorado County, Texas. They were placed in the Hart's care on March 4th, 2006, and officially adopted that September. So they got the three biological siblings, which is good in their case. They get to still be with their brothers and sisters mm-hmm. um all young three and four like yeah, it's really young yeah three and four and nine um in june 2008 jennifer and sarah adopted three more children who were also all biological siblings mm-hmm. uh they were from texas as well but they this time these children were from houston there was another three-year-old sierra another four-year-old jeremiah and a six-year-old Devonte. okay Uh, A little bit about them that I think is just honestly heartbreaking in in retrospect. Mm -hmm. So their biological mother, her name is Shirley, she lost custody because she had substance abuse problems. Mm -hmm. And the three children were given to their paternal aunt, Priscilla. And they were given to Priscilla under the conditions that Priscilla did not allow them to see Shirley or contact Shirley in any way. Okay. But one day Priscilla had to work an extra shift. Mm -hmm. And so she let Shirley come over to babysit the children, um, which uh, one of the caseworkers observed. So as a result, the children were removed from Priscilla's care and the court prevented her from obtaining permanent custody and the three children were put into foster care. What? So, Yeah. That's fucking terrible. Because she violated the, really the only, the one thing that she wasn't supposed to do, what she did. Yeah. And. I, I don't know, like, uh, even then, like, just immediate, the consequence of that is these kids now have to go back into foster care. I know, and they could have just been with their aunt. They could have yeah. just been with their aunt. What judge did that? What judge was like, this is the fair and right thing to do? You broke one rule? And yet, them all. and yes, that was my characterization of a judge with their head up their ass. <laughs> my favorite is that all of your characterizations are just, hi, I'm a judge. <laughs> Hello, I am a judge. <laughs> the cases are real. The people are real. What do you think? Really good, but don't say more because don't need Miss Shindland to sue us. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bring in the lobsters. <laughs> Um, the children's, uh, Sierra, Jeremiah, and Devante, they had an older brother. So there was actually four children. His name was, is, uh, Dante, but he was not adopted by the Hearts, uh, because he had, I guess, really bad behavioral issues. And they were like, 
mm, no, thank you. We'll just take the three youngest ones. What are they picking? Goldfish? Well, mm, like if you can't handle the one who's going to have the most problems, don't fucking separate them though. Just get a different group. I know. Also, that I didn't. Th- I didn't really even think about that. I, it's like oh, th- there's four biological siblings here. The three get to stick together, but then this one loses his his mother, mm-hmm. his aunt, and now his three siblings. That kid's gonna. I can understand if that kid grows up to fucking have a vendetta against the world because you did that to them. That's so sad. Actually, I don't yeah. know what's going on with him. I hope that he's doing well. I do too. Poor Dante. Yeah. He's in Mexico now. You know what he changed his name to? El Dante. (laughs) El El Dante is an Italian phrase. (laughs) See? You want your pasta pasta noodles done, El Dante. (laughs) Fucking love you, you idiot. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. You're the only one who stuck around. <laughs> you make me look love smart. you, bitch. Yeah, I know. Oh, really? I do. Love you, bitch. I'm like, you make me look smart. Yeah. And mm, you're funny, at least. Yeah. Thanks. You're charming and endearing. Oh. Most of the time. Yeah. In May 2007, before the hearts were in the picture. Priscilla, so the aunt, had filed a petition to adopt all four of those children while they were still in state custody, but the petition was denied. Priscilla filed a motion for a new trial, and that was denied as well. In October 2008, Priscilla appealed to a Texas appeals court to overturn the adoption petition and trial dismissals, but in July 2010, her attempt to adopt the four children was turned down again, most likely because they were already adopted by the hearts but it's just sad because she tried and she tried and she tried multiple Mm -hmm. times to get custody of all the children and she never received custody and i just thought that was an important part of the story to tell just because of the way this whole case plays out with these mothers and these poor children and how there was literally a biological family member who wanted these kids yeah. And the state was just like, no, you made, you fucked up that one time. And um, we're just going to, nope, nope. Yeah. Th- this story, like, I don't know Priscilla or, or um, Shirley. I don't know Priscilla. I don't know Priscilla. I don't know Priscilla, <laughs> Priscilla or Shirley's story or why those kids were initially taken away other than Shirley had a drug addiction problem. Mm-hmm. But this entire story sounds like the courts just stole her kids pretty much that's what it sounds like it should be um okay fucking millions of people have substance abuse problems so you should take care of that person you should help that person give them the right resources help them be a better person and therefore a better parent Mm -hmm. you shouldn't punish them well, and then take away their children and then take them away entirely from their biological family. Yeah. Well, like, um, it it seems so manipulative, too, for these courts because, like, I don't hear this kind of story ever happen in, like, for example, the town I grew up in. And uh, you would never know it, but across the street from my house is a methadone clinic that opened up because... 
there were households where the parents were getting particularly addicted to like opioids and stuff, Mm -hmm. it would be absurd if they took their kids. Right. Yeah. But like when we hear about it in the States, usually, you know, from like, like rougher neighborhoods or something like that, there's no hesitation. They just take the fucking kids. Like, it's just upsetting. It's very upsetting. Yeah. And then just on top of that, how each state varies. Each state has their own laws. Each state has their own way to handle things. And then uh, that's another thing I think that made this particular case messy is because the Hearts lived in South Dakota, then they lived in Minnesota. And we'll find out as we keep going through this story that they moved to multiple places. Both of both sets of the siblings were adopted from Texas while these people were living in Minnesota. So then you get all these jurisdictional differences and it's just, it just becomes so messy. And I just don't think that it was fair mm-hmm. that Shirley's children were taken away from her just because she had a substance abuse problem. You should have helped her and helped the kids, not punished her by removing the children and then punished everyone, including the children more by not even letting their own aunt have them because she let Shirley come around. He fucking men. It's just yeah. devastating in in itself, devastating. And then to know how this plays out for those children, it just hurts even more. And it's just like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, the whole time I'm researching this, I'm just like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? So she never ever received custody and she tried she did her damnedest too and she didn't give up she started initially appealing to have these children Mm -hmm. in she got them in 2006 went in 2007 to try and get them all the way until 2010 like she's committed Mm -hmm. she wanted those children yep makes me so upset Jennifer was very active on social media and used Facebook to project an image of a loving, happy family, while also sharing her thoughts on literally anything, but particularly race and politics. Oh no. Because race and politics go like so good with social media. Oh, you know what? It's already happy pairing. Why not add social media to the mix? Here we go. Oh no. In November 2014, a photo of 12-year-old Devante went viral for its powerful message of racial harmony. Devante was crying and hugging a police officer at a protest in Portland, Oregon. The protest was in response to a grand jury's controversial decision not to charge Ferguson, Missouri officer Darren Wilson in the shooting death of 18-year-old Michael Brown. I remember that one. So the intention of the protest was to demand police reform and shine a light on police brutality. At the protest, Devante had carried a sign that read free hugs, which prompted a Portland police officer to ask him if he could have one. So the image became known as the quote unquote hug felt around the world. Yeah, I know when you were you you were like, hey, we're going to be doing this this week. Mm-hmm. I, I had a look at that image and I remember that one that was going around. Yeah. And it's sad because he is he is crying and he has his head he has his arms really tightly around the like midsection of the officer's head it's like buried right into his chest and he's just kind of looking out into space and he's just there's tears all over his face yeah and 
um, of course, Jennifer had posted this on social media and it Mm -hmm. went viral. They did stuff like this a lot, going to different protests and stuff. They traveled across the country. They went to music festivals. They went all over the place to go on like hikes and little family outings and stuff. And they even attended a political rally for Bernie Sanders in Vancouver, Washington in 2016. And they were there's this photo of them and they're all wearing these blue matching shirts that have like a sort of doodle that has like bernie sanders likeliness on it. oh yeah the one that almost looks like einstein yeah yeah and yeah. they're just all wearing these matching shirts and of they're course, all yelling feel the burn feel the burn <laughs> probably <laughs> jennifer yeah. and sarah probably did make them yell that oh no <laughs> but yeah there's like all these photos of them just like posing in their shirts as a happy family and that's a yeah lot. okay jennifer's positive loving caring facade on social media help mask some of the problems within the family particularly the abuse i thought we were going here yeah 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 in august 2017 after the hearts had moved to woodland washington like i said they moved around uh i I would say a lot i would say more more often than a lot of people move. Yeah, bouncing around like three times in a childhood is a lot to me. Mm-hmm. But I've never moved like once. But like, yeah, and it's not so- even like, oh well, we just we're moving down the street or we're moving to the city over or moving in with grandma. Like, yeah, no, we're straight up leaving. leaving You're not going to see your state. friends anymore. We're leaving the state. So the hearts were in Woodland, Washington, when Hannah jumped out of her second-story bedroom window at around one thirty in the morning and approached the residence of her next-door neighbors, the DeKalbs. The DeKalbs' initial reaction was absolute shock because their neighbors had lived there for three months and they never saw any of the children. Oh, no. And they were just absolutely surprised by this. And even when... um, So they'd been there for three months. And I read in one article that when the house was finally sold, the realtor had come over to the DeKalbs, who had lived there forever, Mm -hmm. and was like, oh, yeah, you're going to get a nice family moving in. And there's a bunch of kids. It'll be a nice little change. Mm -hmm. So the DeKalbs were always like, well, we've never even seen any of the kids. So I don't know if they were mistaken or the kids don't live there full time or what. Mm -hmm. So when they, in the fucking middle of the night, this kid comes running over to their house. They're like, what the hell? Yeah. What What is this kid doing? Who the fuck are you? So after that initial shock of, holy shit, there's a kid here, uh, they noticed that Hannah was really thin. She appeared young for her age. At this point, she was 16, and she did not look 16. Oh, no. And she was missing her two front teeth. Oh, no. And Hannah had reportedly told Dana, which is um, the the wife, Dana DeKalb, mm-hmm. that uh, Hannah said that her parents would whip her with a belt and withhold food as punishment. What the fuck? She asked if the DeKalbs could save her and drive her to Seattle. Within minutes, Hannah and the DeKalbs could hear the rest of the family outside calling for Hannah. Uh, but Hannah hid and was asking Dana not to let her family come in and repeatedly pleaded, don't make me go back there. They're racist and they abuse us. And just desperately saying, like, just just keep me here and take me away. Oh, my God. Uh, the Hearts found Hannah at the DeKalb's and they took her back home. They're racist, abusive, and they've been taking me to these <laughs> rallies promoting civil rights. Yeah. That's so twisted. Uh, it's so, so scary. 
Ugh. The next morning, the Hearts went to the DeKalbs as a group to offer, like, some sort of apology for Hannah's actions. Hannah handed them a letter that expressed remorse for her actions, and Jennifer explained to the DeKalbs that, you know, Hannah was just acting out. She was having a few bad days, and it, it's, it's just something that we're dealing with. And apparently, none of the children spoke, and instead they just hung back behind their mothers, like, heads down, looking scared or just nervous not talking and jennifer did all of the talking and it was a letter they handed her a letter that hannah had signed and didn't say anything was the envelope bright red and <laughs> fucking waving in the wind right jesus dana claims she wanted to call 911 as soon as they left that morning but apparently bruce DeKalb, the husband visited the hearts briefly and he didn't see anything concrete to report on Oh, he didn't immediately see something in the open. <laughs> like the bright red flag waving. <laughs> mm -hmm. Instead, they talked to their daughter, who is, quote, an educator with expertise in special needs children and infants born addicted to drugs, end quote. And they concluded the children's origins and background might have triggered the alleged behavioral issues, um, as well as explained the family's reclusiveness. Oh, did so. she learn that when she was in school? I guess so. Yeah, She's... I guess they, they teach you how to explain away abuse instead of recognizing it. <gasps> oh, it's such a good point. So, well, like, fuck. Like, if I was a lifeguard and they gave me, they did, they gave me training to recognize, like, abuse in the kids you're teaching. Mm hmm I would have called the fucking cops. I know, especially I would have if called the cops on less. And that's your gut instinct is we should call 911. But then... Mm-hmm. <sighs> It's it's also it's just such a rough spot. And then the other daughter was like, well, you know, like the origins of the background of these kids are probably struggling with poverty. There was probably drug abuse. They they might have had food insecurity because of little money or something. Then call the so, cops. They'll look into it. And then if there's nothing there, they'll say, well, there's nothing there. Yeah. But if you don't, you'll never know. Mm hmm. So the DeKalbs didn't report anything to the police or to CPS or anything. And instead, they, they kind of just kept their own watchful eye on the family. Uh, Bruce said he never saw anything because the children rarely went outside. Um, Sarah Hart went to work at Cole's, but Jennifer was always home. The only child they'd see was Devante when he went outside occasionally to feed the chickens, rake leaves, or take the trash cans down to the driveway. When the DeKalbs tried to engage with him, he wouldn't speak. He would just do his tasks and go back inside. Mm -hmm. In November, so three months after Hannah had gone to their house in the middle of the fucking night, mm -hmm. they told Dana's father, so the DeKalbs were talking to... Dana's dad about Hannah's really weird visit and mm -hmm. the father immediately called the sheriff's office to report it. Yeah. Good. I have a quote here from what he said on the call. I couldn't find the call itself, but it, there was just the transcript, the transcript. So yeah. he said, they have four black children, but that part doesn't matter. They're new here, Texas. But the other night, a little girl jumped out of the second story window on the roof and then went down to the ground and then ran to my daughter and this is like two in the morning begging them to help her 
then she, one of the parents, had all four of the kids come back later and say everything was okay. And they were all standing at attention like they were all scared to death. And I think there's something very serious going on there. The more I sit on it, I just can't live with it. Somebody has to go there and check on these kids. Yeah, I agree with all of what he just said. Um, the thing that is weird is that in the call he says... Uh, the other night, the little girl jumped out the second story window, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the other night. This at this point would have been months later. So I don't know if right. like, DeKalb's mis like mistold him that, or if he heard it wrong. But yeah, it had been three months. Yeah. So the sheriff's official that handled the the report from the dad uh, said they couldn't do anything because this happened so long ago, and it didn't appear that any laws had been broken at the time that could warrant them that could warrant the department to intervene they can't even have like a an officer just pull up and be like hey like how are you how's everything going hi we received a call that three months ago something happened it would i understand both sides of it being like it'll take two seconds just go and see i just like the old school like you know the 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 (laughs) sheriff comes by and is like you know we're a tight-knit community around here like (laughs) You know, how are you guys doing? I don't know why he's, he's southern. It's Texas. He <laughs> knocks on the door <laughs> and he goes, Yeehaw, y'all. It's how Washington. you doing? It's Washington. I know. The kids are from Texas, though. Yeah, I know. There was a, there was a <laughs> quote, though, from from the official that handled the report. Yeah. It said, quote, this incident happened two months ago. Dana recently told mom about the situation who in turn told the elderly father who felt it necessary to call police from his residence in Tacoma. Dana said no other issues since this one. Determined a welfare check was not warranted based on this isolated incident, end quote. Isolated incident, okay. Mm-hmm. It's not going to stay isolated, is it? Well, it's... Uh, no. Okay. No, and in fact, we're going to get right into why it's not an isolated incident. All right. Beginning early March 2018, Devante finally spoke to the DeKalps, so... Any time they had encountered him up until this point, he was just silent and would pretty much ignore them. Mm-hmm. He went to their house, rushed and nervous, and he was begging for food. He asked the DeKalbs not to tell Jennifer and not to call the police. He told them that as punishment, his adoptive mothers were withholding food from him and his siblings, and they were starving. He also said his parents weren't letting any of them out of the house, and they were sometimes being abused. Over the next week, he was sneaking over to the DeKalb's house up to three times a day, asking for food. And during one visit, he begged the DeKalb's to buy six packs of tortillas and six jars of peanut butter and put them in a box hidden near the fence between the two properties so his siblings could sneak and get it. Okay, two things there. One, no kid that age should know that to ask for peanut butter of all things because it's got the proteins you need. Oh. Which is so fucking sad because immediately you said peanut butter. I was like, because it's the only thing that's going to put weight on you. Oh my God. Um, and also, he several times a day, and you've been Up feeding to three him. Times a day. As terrible as it sounds, you've been feeding him like a stray cat. Mm-hmm. And you don't call the cops yet again and say, hey. Well, after the fucking first one. I know. Oh my God. So he was going there for about a week. Mm-hmm. And then the DeKalb's. Because they were like, okay, well, we had that, the, the one of the sisters come here mm-hmm. a few months ago. Now we've got the brother. I mean, probably the first time he comes over saying he's being abused and is starving. 
But they, I guess, waited a week. But they were like, Shouldn't have. I know. They were like, okay, this, we got a call. So they did, they reported the hearts to both the police and to the Washington State Department of Social and Health Services. Mm-hmm. And they called alleging the children appeared to be victims of abuse and neglect. So caseworkers from um, DS- DSHS, which is the Department of Social and Health Services, um, I think in some – I'm not American, obviously. Um, some articles report calling it DSHS and some just straight up say CPS. Okay. Child Protective Services. I'm just going to say CPS because it's easier to say. But okay. it's – essentially the same thing Mm -hmm. so caseworkers from cps opened an investigation and began initial attempts to connect with the hearts Mm -hmm. over the few days leading up to the murders cps tried contacting jennifer or sarah on three separate occasions the first time was on friday march 23rd 2018 which is only three days before the murders Mm -hmm. Uh, but there was no answer so the caseworker left a business card in the door when they returned again on Monday, uh, the 26th of March, the business card was gone. So someone had seen it. Okay. They called the sheriff's office and asked someone conduct a welfare check. A deputy came by. No one answered. So he left. On Tuesday, March 27th, having no idea that the family had been found dead in the remains of the family's SUV, the caseworker tried the house once more. Still unable to establish contact with the hearts. The caseworker called 911 to have another welfare check done because they were obviously worried. Yeah. It appeared no one had been home for days, but animals and family belongings were still at home. So they had a, a few cats, they had dogs and stuff. They were still in the house, but oh, there was no God. signs of the family. The DeKalbs later told the police that after the first visit on March 23rd, the family left the home and they didn't, they never saw them come back. Mm-hmm. So they were inside the home when that caseworker came to do the welfare check. Probably were just in there sitting quietly waiting for them to leave. Yep. And when they had left is when they either knocked the business card down or took it with them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just fled and then the DeKalbs never saw them again. That's so fucked. So Bruce DeKalb, the husband, he said that... Um, Quote, the next morning when we saw that the vehicle was gone, and then Sunday morning when it was st- when it still wasn't there, we figured something was off. Dana added, because they never go anywhere, they only go to the store and back. And then Bruce said, we figured that they saw the business card, loaded up the kids as quick as they could, and took off. Not out of the realm of possibility? Well, especially just... Uh, the whole circumstances it's like well yeah the caseworker was there on the friday and three days later everyone was dead yep so on um march 26th sarah's friend from work a, a lady named cheryl she also called 911 to ask that a welfare check be conducted <laughs> so at this point Alarm bells are ringing for the police. It should be. Like, it's yep. the 26th, which means up at that point, there had already been one request for a welfare check. Mm-hmm. And now there's a second one. And she said that she was really worried because she had received some strange texts from Sarah that came to her at 3 in the morning on March 24th. And since then, so for two days, she was not able to reach anybody in the family. Mm-hmm. The text that in the text Sarah sent her, they claimed that she was really sick and she couldn't leave the house and that she might have to go to the hospital. So obviously Cheryl was like, 
okay, I'm looking for an update. Are you in the hospital? What's going on? Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Are you coming to work? Whatever. Right. And the phone was dead. There was no answer. And no one had seen or heard from either her or Jennifer. So she was like, fuck, it's been two days. I'm calling the police. So okay. she did and was like, get a welfare check, please. I need to know what's going on. And in total, there would have been three requests for a welfare check. Mm-hmm. So it's like, my God. Insane. Insanity. Insanity. Yeah. Shit should have shit should have been taken care of a long time ago. And this, it only gets weirder. Honestly, it only gets weirder and creates fear. Okay. Hey everyone, Dyson here. We hope you're enjoying the episode so far, and if you are, then please consider supporting the show by rating and leaving a review on whatever podcasting app you're listening to right now. It takes half a minute, and on top of meaning the world to us, it would also help the podcast grow. And if you would want to engage with us, you can send us an episode suggestion by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That's it. Now, back to the episode. Over the next year, the murder-suicide would be investigated and tons of unusual details about the family's life would come to light. So authorities determined the Yukon had been intentionally driven off the edge of the cliff. The car's black box recorded the car was going full throttle and reached speeds up to 90 miles per hour. Miles per hour. Which is 144 kilometers. Holy fuck. Oh yeah, she gunned it. Yeah, she floored it. She did. Responding officers later stated the site of the accident was unusual. So it's normal to respond to collisions on the coast and reports of cars going off the edge. But there's always evidence of the car like trying to correct itself or leaving marks behind like like skid marks or, or evidence of swerving because obviously you don't want to go off the edge. So essentially what they're saying is there's usually proof of um, that this was an accident. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And in this case, there was nothing like that. There was, um, you know, no skid marks or swerving attempt. The The tracks show that the SUV deliberately sped straight toward the cliff's edge oh. and did not let up. Investigators believe the Hart's SUV was stopped at this, like, flat dirt pull-off area. And that's where they, uh, Jennifer, who was behind the wheel, used this area to, to just have a sort of runway oh my god to to direct uh, yourself right off the cliff just to just speed right off that steep rocky face and plunge into that water ew that's creepy this this isn't appropriate but this when this just reminds me of have you ever seen the happening um is that a stephen king adaptation i think so it's that one where like the trees are giving off pheromones that make people kill each kill themselves. Does it have Mark Wahlberg? It has Mark. It has Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Okay. It does. I've seen the movie. Yeah, I didn't like it, but I've seen it. Yeah, there's a scene where they're driving in a car with their family, and then they just stop, and then all of a sudden the it like just floors it after like ten seconds of being stopped and goes dead into a tree, like on purpose. Ew. And that's all, that's all I could picture, and I hated that scene so much. The Happening is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. How did I not know that? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, okay, so not a Stephen King adaptation, but still. It has some stupid twist to it, too, right? That makes like, sense, was... though. M. Night, like, he's hit or miss, right? 
<laughs> he is the definition of hit or miss. So the happening was a miss for me, dog. Yeah. Uh, but that's really creepy to think about. Yeah. No, that's that's like one of those like that that'll send shivers down my spine. I hated that scene. Yeah. It was probably the only like actual upsetting scene in that entire movie. I did movie. watch it when I was like fifteen though or something. So maybe I would like it now. I would give I, it a try. Yeah. I would. I would watch it again just to I've never heard anyone coming to that movie's defense. I'll just put it put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Kinda wanna watch it now just to see how my opinions changed based on the Maybe a good thing to watch. Yeah. Give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. See if it's still that's, miss. That's one of, of a few episodes or a few movies that we have to watch now, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like every episode I'm like Oh my god, you want to watch that? Yeah, because like we still have to watch Terrifier, Terrifier <laughs> 2, um, literally anything else. Are you saying you're going to watch Terrifier? No, I'm not going to watch Terrifier. Well, then why would you I say I made a it? whole meme video with like things of Terrifier in it, and it straight up made me ill again. Okay, well, <laughs> take a Valium or something. You got Valium? You okay? No, I don't have Valium. I got Lorazepam. Mm. <laughs> Who's Pam? <laughs> Pam. Is he, are you saying Pam or Pam? Stick around after the show. I'll help you with the Pan Pam dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Friends of the Hearts were confused by the tragedy. They described the family as ideal. They said Jennifer and Sarah were the kind of parents everyone in the world needs. They loved their children. They were generous. They were loving. They only saw the good in people. You know, the t- typical... um they were pillars of the community. They were literally picture perfect. They were the perfect family. Yeah, they're until they were. Yeah, like honestly, they're picture perfect on Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know. Okay, that's great that you just said that, um, because the people that that were saying this, oh, they're ideal. They're a beautiful family. They're so loving. They're whatever this that. Mm-hmm. They hadn't seen the hearts in years and when they gave these statements, they, the only life that they saw was on Facebook and what they heard about through texts and on phone calls. They never yeah. were there. Yeah. So a family friend said the family frequently traveled together, taking scenic routes to explore new places and thinks that's probably what they were doing when the fatal crash occurred. Like it was an accident. Oh yeah. They know it because they're Facebook friends. Yeah. And like they lived an ideal life and they were a beautiful, happy family. So like it couldn't have been intentional. This was before. Like, thank God we started catching on that the shit that you see on social media does not reflect reality. Well, I mean, even at this point, it's 2018. You should have. Oh, right. Yeah. It's that far ahead. Yeah. You should fucking know. Yeah. You should know. Yeah. But also, why would you want to? It's like another of those things. Like, it's like, well, it's too, like, it's a gorgeous like lesbian couple they have these uh, they're adopting children they have all of these uh, adopted black children they're all siblings in real life biological siblings they're going to political rallies they're being a gorgeous happy pillar of the community family mm-hmm. like you wouldn't it would probably be really hard to look at that and think that something bad was happening yeah but I don't know. To that's me, when what I makes it scarier. Yeah, to me, when I hear that though, that just seems more along the lines of like I have a vested interest in um, making this the hill I die on and defending that image instead of for what sure. happened. Because it also could be a point of pride for those people that knew the family. Yeah, and like are like, well, fuck. Like this I knew is, this them. is everything we're rooting I didn't for. See any of the red flags? Damn, what's wrong yeah. with me? Well, like it's it's exactly the kind of image you want 
to see in the real world. You want to see,、mm-hmm. you know, this happy family, you know, together that they're they're going out, they're politically engaged. You know, like that's a great image.、Mm-hmm. And then when you hear, yeah, behind the scenes they weren't that at all. Like, I can see why it would be hard to accept it. But at the same time, you would never hear me publicly going. No, no, that's not them. That's not them at all. I, I saw it on Facebook. Keep in mind, at this point, when they're saying this, there wasn't. It wasn't really publicly known that there was any sort of abuse happening,、oh, and because、okay. the, the investigation was just underway at this point, it would have been like in right.、Infancy. So okay, so that's not fair. It was hidden. So they,、yeah. the people who were saying this, probably really did believe. They're great people. I've seen it on Facebook. I've heard it. And when I call、mm-hmm. them, they're they're great. They're great. They're great. They're great. And the、yeah. rest stuff slowly started coming out the way that we、yep. know now. The context came out, and then it's a whole different story. Okay, I'm sure there was. I thought still... they knew, and I was sitting there going, "Oh my god, these people!" Like maybe today, maybe now they're like, "Okay, well that doesn't seem like the greatest." I, I would hope. Yeah. But I, you know, like you're saying, still could be a hill that they're gonna die on. Maybe they're like, I hope not. No, I said all these positive things about them, and I knew them. How could I not see these red flags? I cannot ever admit it. I don't know. <laughs> Police believed that all six children were inside the vehicle when it went over the cliff. Because the three kids immediately recovered from the vehicle were not wearing seatbelts, investigators believe the other three children unaccounted for, so Sierra, Hannah, and Devante, weren't wearing seatbelts. Yeah, none of the kids were wearing seatbelts. Oh, well, they assume none of them were because the when they got down to the crash scene, the site, the the mothers, Sarah and Jennifer,、mm-hmm. they were still strapped into their seat, but the three kids that they were that were still in the vehicle that they initially recovered, they yeah, were just they were in the vehicle, kind of in the vehicle. I think they were kind of strewn about in some、yeah. like, outside of it, so they knew. Okay, well, they weren't wearing their seatbelts.、Mm-hmm. It's safe to say, based on all of the investigations, on all of the, in- the investigative efforts that they've taken, that there was all six kids in the car.、Mm-hmm. So, if those three that were recovered weren't wearing seatbelts, most likely the other three children were not wearing seatbelts. Yep. And they were either ejected from the SUV when it was going over the cliff,、mm-hmm. or they were carried away by high tides as the waves. Like push water in and out of the SUV,、mm-hmm. so as the wreckage was laying there, as water would like fill up, come out, whatever,、yeah. it could have、yeah. it could have dragged three of them away. That's so weird to me because I I'm torn between whether I'm outraged or not over not wearing the seatbelts because <laughs> both the parents were wearing seatbelts and therefore they get to be found,、mm-hmm. but these kids were not, and I feel like they were told not to. And it, it, if that's the fucking case, like then, like it's almost just like wiping them off the face of the earth. Well, yeah. Like you're just gonna disappear, and they're gonna find us, and we matter, and you don't. Like you're gone. Or they, or maybe it was like to ensure that they died. And, and to ensure that they died, but like, because I don't I, know if they would have thought. I, that- I know that's where I'm torn because, like, okay, well, the parents wore the seatbelts though, but they definitely wanted to die. They、yeah. went off a cliff. I know. Right, but like I, to not wear the seatbelt at that point when you're going off a cliff into water, like okay, well we can speculate that on that in a in a second maybe.、Mm-hmm. Um, as I there's something else that comes up in my notes. Um, actually, I'll find it and then we can just talk about it. The toxicology results 
Mm-hmm. Um, it showed that Jennifer's blood alcohol content was over the legal limit. So she was fucking wasted. Her blood alcohol level was uh, 0.102. Mm-hmm. The legal limit is 0.08. Wow. Uh, so Sarah, Marcus, Jeremiah, and Abigail, they all had Benadryl in their systems. And a lot of Benadryl in their systems. Oh, no. Sarah also had a fuck ton of Benadryl in her system. Actually, 42 doses. Mm. A lethal amount in her system. Yeah. And the children had enough to either knock them unconscious or put them to sleep. So for what you're saying, maybe um, wherever they had been before they decided to fucking plummet off the cliff. Well, I should say before Jennifer decided to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe they drugged the kids, so maybe they were already asleep, and maybe they loaded them into the car themselves, and maybe that's why they didn't have their seatbelt on. Yeah, I think I agree with you, because... So maybe that kind of explains that part. Yeah, because they... Obviously, they're going to end up in the water, but um, these are the people who don't bother feeding their own fucking kids. Yeah. You think they're going to start just regularly giving them drugs? Like, no, they, they, they are literally like nothings in their world. And I'm not going to give them any kind of thing that takes money out of my pocket. You know, they're literally money for me. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems like. Because yes. they're completely neglecting these children and then yeah, also taking for money them. in Clout for them. for them, money for them. Yeah. So they, so I think I agree. They probably drugged them, put them into the van and, or SUV, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, buckle them up. No. Why, why would we do that? Plus they are probably also... F- like Sarah at that point had to have been falling asleep, 42 doses. Yeah. And oh, Jennifer night, was yeah. wasted. Yeah. So why would you even think about or care to buckle your kids up when you know you're just going to go and murder them? That's so sick. That's it's, so deranged. It's, yeah, it's deranged is a great yeah. word. Deranged. I hate that these people managed to get anywhere near the, like, how the fuck did no one... I mean, I know that's the entire point of how scary this is, that no one would be able to catch it. But mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, this is just upsetting. It is It's upsetting. so terrifying that these people were able to to be a part of the foster care system. I know. And that's what I'm saying when I'm researching it. I just kept going, what the fuck? Mm. So naturally, the first step for the investigators was to stake out the area the crash uh, of the crash site for any signs of the three missing children. They still had to find Sierra, Hannah, and Devante. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lookout crew that consisted of 15 search and rescue volunteers. They were stationed around the area to watch the coastline and observe the ocean for any signs of the kids. Law enforcement used cadaver dogs and drones to search the area. Mm-hmm. So since it's like literally on the coast. Yeah, I've, I completely cliff, forgot drones were around. This is one of the more modern cases we've yeah, got. So 2018. Course... So they were using drones and they had cadaver dogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So while they had the um, volunteers there and the lookout crew uh, scoping out the area, keeping signs out for the kids, they got a search warrant. So they went to investigate the the home. So by March 29th, 2018, the house was flooded with law enforcement looking for information that could help explain why the fuck this happened. Yeah. Because like at the time when they investigated the car, there was no signs of anything. There yep. still was three missing kids. There wasn't like a suicide note or anything in the car. There was no indication like like why and how, especially because at that point they and looked at the scene and was like, well, this wasn't an accident. They did this. They drove off the edge. So why? 
Yeah, forensics straight up was like, this was intentional. So they were like, okay, you guys stay here, stake out the area, keep a lookout. We're going to get over to the house. So they were initially, like, the plan was we're going to look for, like, bills, credit card receipts, cell phone records, anything like that to help learn why the family left, why they might have done this. Mm-hmm. Jennifer and Sarah Hart lived beyond their means. And aspects of their lifestyle diverged wildly from what they presented publicly online. Yeah. They recently purchased their woodland home for $375,000 and accumulated over $21,000 in credit card debt. Wow. Money was tight and the children were a huge source of income. I knew it. I knew knew it. According to records, Fucking leeches. Yeah, according to the records found at the scene, the children yielded payments of roughly twenty thousand dollars a year from their birth families. That's a lot of money. And an additional thirty thousand dollars in adoption assistant payments from Texas, because that's where they were adopted from. So that's a total of fifty grand that these kids were bringing in for the for the family. Oh my god! And they weren't giving any of these kids the like means that they deserve. So it was probably around like. $50,000 that they were using. Mm-hmm. That's fucked. The The payments decreased by $550 a month in August 2016 because Marcus had turned 18. Okay. So he's an adult now. So they, the Texas wasn't giving, Texas and the family, his biological family wasn't giving money for him. But okay, like there's still five other children that are bringing in money for that, for the hearts. Like, and in case anyone's wondering, like, why they were adopted, yeah. what biological family is giving, why are they getting money from each biological family member? Mm-hmm. And it's because the kids were adopted out of Texas, and Texas holds parents responsible for children in the foster care system. And the courts sometimes order parents to pay child support. There, it's, there isn't really records as to why payments from the biological families were continued because they weren't fostered. They were straight up adopted at this point. Yeah. So a parent who like loses custody could still owe past child support at the time that their child is adopted. So maybe that was the case. Maybe okay. when the children were adopted, there was a situation where there was outstanding debt. So they're still paying it. Yeah. And that that's probably fairly common or at least usual. So that could explain that part. Because I know that I, when I was reading that, I was like, but they're adopted. Like, they, I don't understand why are they still getting money, but mm-hmm. that's the best answer I could come up with. Okay. Jennifer Hart was a stay-at-home mom who, which I had mentioned before, mm-hmm. she, she had been for years and years. Since 2006, she right. didn't work. And right, because she's a childhood <laughs> educator. <laughs> she was like, oh, I'm just going to stay home. She's the one that didn't graduate, right? Yeah, she's the one yeah. that just, once Cassara graduated and she wasn't ready to, like, she wasn't going to graduate yet. And she was just like, yeah. Oh, she was so close to being like, this is a bad idea for me. I'm not the person. And here she is. Here she is. So, um, and yeah, and, and remember the DeKalb's had said, like, well, only Sarah leaves. So Jennifer never leaves. She's always there. Mm-hmm. She was a stay-at-home mom. She was uh, homeschooling the children. Sarah was the one that went out and worked. She was an assistant manager at Kohl's, and she earned about $45,000 a year. Thank God. Sorry. Thank God she worked at Kohl's. 
I thought you were going to say like an, an, an elementary school. No, she worked at a department store, but not Kohl's like how if the we, childhood section, if we, oh God, you want a Barbie? I'm going to cut its hairs off before you can. No, <laughs> no, don't defile a Barbie. <laughs> Why is it always the Barbies that are first to get fucked up? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, when, when, um, you and I say Kohl's, we think of like the bookstore. I did. Yeah. But Kohl's, K-O-H-L-S. So oh, okay. It's like a, it's so not Kohl's, like Indigo and Kohl's? Or, no, not... Indigo and Kohl's? Yeah, Indigo and yeah. Kohl's. That's, like, what I think of if I hear Kohl's. But this one is, like, it's just a straight-up department store real mm-hmm. t- retail chain, like a, like a Target or Walmart or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I miss Target. Why did Canada have to get rid of Target? Yeah. It's my favorite. Investigators couldn't figure out where the children slept. Oh, no. Just let that sink in for a second. Yeah. It's not like they had one kid that maybe There's had six. a room somewhere weird or something. I don't know. There's six children in this house. Well, six kids. And they're in there and they're like, where, where do these kids sleep? What? Okay, I have one dog. And... <laughs> If you walk in my house, you can point to three different areas where that dog sleeps. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, there's so a lot these... of places where Kobe sleeps in here. Yeah. So you're telling me that investigators walked in and were like, I have no idea where these six children. Yep. Oh. So they were, when they were like going around the house, they're like, okay, well, it's obvious that this room is for Jennifer and Sarah. There's a double bed in here. It's got a lot of personal belongings, personal effects that are obviously for mm-hmm. the mothers. There was another bedroom which had two foam love seats and a padded mat on the Damn. ground. And police believed that some of the kids were probably sleeping in there. And then there was a third bedroom that had a twin bed, one twin bed. And that was it. Twin beds are small. Yeah, too. they're like a kid's size bed. Yeah, like I don't, I stopped fitting in a twin bed <laughs> when I was like 12. <laughs> And there was one twin bed. That was the only other bed. The other things were just like love seats and mats on the ground. That's gross. And then, so with the parents, that means that there's eight people in this house. There was only one bathroom that they all had to share. Mm. And it also was the laundry room. So it was like cramped. There's like photos yeah, of the house. Really cool. yeah. And it's like just a, it's like has the washer and dryer like right there next to the can. <laughs> yeah. And it's just this one bathroom for eight people jesus and it well i don't know why it, it bugs me so much but it's a foam love seat yeah like it's not even comfortable it's like it's like the thing at the cottage which one the the like red thing oh god yeah yeah what other love seat the the one the, the love seat one is uh is also a futon the red one at the cottage pulls up to a bed well, so to add insult to injury, even that's better. <laughs> oh, that is true. But yeah. Fucked, right? It absolutely fucking terrible. There were in the house, there was no family photos on display anywhere in the home, which to me is a huge red flag because they're so like on social media, always posting pictures of their kids and like how proud they are of their their happy little family and all of the amazing things they're doing with political rallies, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then their own home, there's zero photos anywhere. I don't know, to me it's weird. No, you're right. That is absolutely weird. That just adds to how much bullshit that was. 
And it's like maybe like people our age and younger for sure aren't really like hanging photos everywhere because like we just we've always had phones. We always have put everything on our phones or on social media. Mm-hmm. But like these Jennifer and Sarah were born in the seventies, like Yeah, and also like we're thinking of people our age who probably don't have kids. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like if you got kids, I'm sure like milestones that they're at like you'd want yeah. photos like I, I could see that so I, even then i'm just like what the fuck i know there wasn't it's not that there was it's not just that there's no family photos in the house mm-hmm. there was like no keepsakes posters anything that was like personal or specific to a child mm-hmm. like nothing that indicated that there was children's with their own interests and teenagers that had their own interests and hobbies, nothing like that in any of the rooms in the house anywhere. And another reason that they had a hard time figuring out where the hell the children sleep, where is everyone sleeping in this house? The the bedrooms didn't even look like bedrooms. Like, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, like the only hint we have is that Hannah came out of the second story window. Mm-hmm. That's the only hint we have. And and we have this. The only sign that there was there was any kids, teenagers living in this house was that there was some school supplies. There was a few board games, and there was this small like bookshelf that had Harry Potter, Twilight, like that those kind of books on it. But that mm-hmm. was the only indicator that there could have been people younger. Living then in again, the at the same time, you're talking about two adults <laughs> who went into early childhood education so they may actually have actually just been reading those yeah, books. Yeah, they were like, we just really like Harry Potter. And yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like they may have just been <laughs> clinging to that going, these are the kids, right? But it's totally possible. I've met grown adults reading exclusively young adult books. It's weird as all hell, but they do it. I, yeah. I believe it and I've seen it. Even if I go to Valley Village, there will be like women like older than my mother at the young adult section. Yeah. Reading through, seeing what books they want. So mm-hmm. this one is wild. Okay. So when they're going through the house, they get into the dining room and there's a set, a dining room set, table, chairs mm-hmm. for six. The family has eight people. Yeah. The set is for six people and there's not like extra chairs or anything that they can pull up. There's only six chairs. It's like, did they never eat as a family? Oh, wait, it's probably because these children never even ate. Oh, it's such an upsetting detail. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so they keep going, the investigators keep going through the house. They come upon a chest of freezers. Chests of freezers? Chest of freezers? Chest freezers. Thank you. They found chest freezers mm-hmm. filled with lunch meat, tortillas, and a ton of bread. Apparently, what was the word they put in the article? Copious. Copious, Copious amounts, amounts of bread. Oh, like a hoarding yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's a lot of bread. Yeah, they really drove that home. So I had to make sure I mentioned that. So fucked on a bread, tortillas, and lunch meat. Now, the lunch meat was interesting and worth mentioning because Jennifer, and all her social media glory, regular mention, regularly mentioned their vegetarian lifestyle. Oh, my God. She had posted a photo of Sierra smiling as she held this, like, giant bunch of kale. Like, like it was just kale kale like it was just like this bouquet of the grossest Not even vegetarians actually like kale <laughs> so there the investigators found the family's fridge 
like first they found this chest freezer and they're like why is there lunch meat in here like aren't they hardcore vegetarians it's a little bit weird but maybe they just needed some deli meat i don't know <laughs> so then they keep they keep investigating through and they they go to the family fridge like the the fridge in the kitchen and in the fridge and the freezer, it's stocked with hot dogs, ham, large packs of chicken breasts, a large roll of ground beef, corn dogs, frozen tilapia, and pizza rolls. Holy fuck. So they There's, eat meat. So they're just full of shit. Yeah, they, they eat straight up eat meat. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ, these people. Little liars. Yeah, no fucking kidding. Abuse your children, fine, but lie about being a vegetarian. You little wiener munchers. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. Corn dog dodgers. Frozen tilapia. Blow your balls off. Nah. <laughs> nah. Frozen fish. Frozen fish. A friend of uh, Jennifer's or of the family, I don't know, maybe it's just another fucking social media friend said that Jennifer did not drink. So that's just another weird thing in this because Jennifer's blood alcohol level was... Yeah, gone. Uh, Like through the roof. And she said, well, Sarah occasionally drank, but they really weren't drinkers. They didn't do drugs. They weren't drinkers. It's just not their style. Police photos from the house when they're investigating show 17 bottles of wine displayed on the kitchen counter. Yeah. It's Eddie Vedder's house. <laughs> the couple also had some pot and like a little pipe in the dresser in their bedroom. All right. I think we found the root of their drug problem. I cannot believe this. A little bit of pot? Uh, cannabis? <laughs> that part's not even worth mentioning. There's like 13 bottles of fucking booze. 17. 17. Where and then they're like, they're I know. like a little, little bit of weed. That would have mellowed them out, if anything. It's silly. Everyone fucking smokes pot. It's probably because at this time, like... I don't know. Was is pot legal in Washington? Not yet. So like, it's just fucking stupid. Everyone smokes pot, and also, seventeen bottles of wine. Like, they they lived in like a really rural area. Mm-hmm. Probably just when they would buy wine, they would buy a fuck ton of it. Like, mm, I yeah. don't even live in a rural area. When I go to the LCBO, I would buy like six, seven or eight bottles at a time to yeah. put on my wine rack just yeah. to have it, so I don't have to keep going out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's just a funny detail. They were smoking pot and drank wine, but no one said they drank or did drugs. There must be abusers. <laughs> what did they drink? Wine. Wine. 17 bottles were displayed. Never mind that we literally can't tell where the kids slept. They seem <laughs> to have no interests of their own because they weren't allowed to. They drank wine. Yep. Yeah. Probably on that six-person table. It just—I think it's just because it adds to everything. Because everything they're saying is obviously a lie, and they're saying we don't drink, we don't do drugs, and you find that. But it's like, yeah. well, of course they fucking drink and do drugs. They also eat hot dogs, and they say they don't eat meat. That's which, the most upsetting part. They're probably just taking little bites of deli meat. Oh, it's got real craving for some baloney. <laughs> baloney. So oh, speaking of lies and and false imagery. Yeah. Jennifer's social media posts portrayed a family that did not have a television. They didn't have electronic devices because they would rather, you know, be busy camping, gardening, reading, caring for animals, you know, everything wholesome. Mm-hmm. In May 2013, she even made a post that read, quote, traded in the television for the best big screen available. 
planet Earth, end quote. And I guess it was like a photo of I would have property. read that and been like, she's lying to me right off the bat. Yeah, especially because she's on her fucking phone. Yeah. <laughs> but when they were searching the home, they found a huge TV in the living room. They found a tablet. Of course they did. And a laptop and stuff. So they were like, well. Yeah, because they were fucking lying. But reality, <laughs> they were just taking all the funds they were getting from their kids and buying whatever the fuck they wanted. Yeah, they probably weren't letting the kids watch the TV, but they sure They probably were. had a fucking PS4 in there, too. There Three? Three. At that time, four, four, twenty eighteen. There was there was a PS four then. Yeah, they probably had state that would have been brand new too. PS four in there, and they probably never let the kids play it. No, they would be like, "Watch us play it." Yeah. Oh, here, use this controller, and it's not plugged in. <laughs> oh my god! Like what I would do to Steph. Sorry, love you, but do fuck you. Devin did it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Except for my favorite moment was when he got his ass kicked in Goldeneye or something, and then he threw his remote and he fucking destroyed it. Okay, I always hated shit like that. Yep. Also, PS4 was released in 2013. No, it fucking wasn't, that, really. Yeah. Am I the old man? Am I the drama? I don't think I'm the drama. Jesus Christ, we're fucking old, huh? Yeah, I still use a GameCube. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> you also collect VHS. That's your problem with it. <laughs> You know what? One day I'm just going to start collecting Betamax until you say something. I'm not going to mention it. I'm just going to slowly build a collection until you say something. The funny part will be that I'll just be taking the ones I like from your collection to start my own. (laughs) (laughs) You would have a Betamax collection too. I have some cassettes. It'd be pretty cool actually now that I'm making fun of it. It'd be neat to show off. We can go collect. We can look for Laser disc. That's what we're missing. What's a laser disc? They're like, they're like, uh, imagine a CD, but the size of your fucking head. Fuck yeah. That's what it is. It's like a cross between a vinyl record, but, but it looks like a CD. I'm here for it. Yeah. Oh, this part. I don't know why this part creeped me out so much, but it did because I think it just goes to show Okay, I'll just say it. Mm. Police found Sarah's Cole's name tag and there was a section blocked out. So mm-hmm. when they went to speak to her coworkers, the coworkers told the police the section that was blocked out is usually where it states the city that you live in. And Sarah had covered it because Jennifer didn't want people to know where they lived. It's creepy on two levels. One, that's Ew. absolutely creepy that she doesn't want to know where she lives. But it's also creepy on Coles to be like, this is where our employee lives. I know. I agree. <laughs> fuck. But um, Double what the fuck. Also, just maybe lie. <laughs> yeah, just lie. <laughs> or put, like, you know how, like, if you go to the movies, um, they will have their name tags and it will say, like, their f- it'll have a little label that just says their favorite movie. So, oh, yeah. So mine could be, like, Brianna and then it would say the mummy or something yeah yeah okay <laughs> so, like i don't know just says any brandon fraser fit flick yeah <laughs> well no he's got some bad ones <laughs> but right. i just love the mummy i uh, my favorite is there's this there was this tumblr thread and it was all about people realizing that the mummy is what made them recognize they were bisexual <laughs> because every character is so hot yeah and um and just amazing and smart and cool and hot <laughs> that doesn't fit with Tarzan. Was everyone hot in Tarzan? Or was I... it just Brennan Fraser in a loincloth? Yeah, it was just Brennan Fraser. I don't remember Tarzan. I hated it. You hated Tarzan? 
God, that was such a fucking huge movie. Oh. <laughs> Made his career. It didn't. <laughs> Don't talk to me about Brian. Blazer. I think that was actually the beginning of his fall. Actually, now that I think about it. Wasn't it a fall that did make his career fall? <laughs> oh, yeah. He was held together with duct tape, he said. So she, they lived in Woodland and she worked in Vancouver, Washington. Mm-hmm. So when they found the little blacked out spot, like, I don't know, it's just so creepy because she's like, well, I had to block it out because Jennifer didn't want anyone to know where we lived. And I think it's just creepy because it kind of shows the extension of the abuse going obviously to the children and then maybe there seems to be signs that sarah was probably a little bit abused as well yeah. i think she was abusive to the children but i think that jennifer was like totally the uh i don't know the primary or, aggressor or, here yeah, like, like the like well not primary aggressor to the kids but the just, one who was like the worst ringleader or something i don't know just it yeah. was just i was like Bleh. yeah i agree with that so this is the part in my notes that I jumped to when we were t- when we were talking about the seatbelts. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing how, like, talking about the Benadryl and the blood alcohol level of Jennifer. Mm-hmm. So that the toxicology results came in while they were investigating the house. It wasn't like on site. Like, hey, we found these this wreck. Oh toxicology results say like they had to get like send them off obviously so then they received those results and just a reminder sarah had 42 doses of benadryl in her system Mm -hmm. the children had enough to knock them unconscious and straight up put them to sleep and then uh jennifer had a insanely high uh blood alcohol level Mm mm-hmm so the investigators also received cell phone records and surveillance footage that showed the family stopped in Fort Bragg, California, the day before the crash. Investigators believe the Hearts arrived in town around 8 p.m. on March 24th, and they may have spent the night there because surveillance footage from a convenience store shows Jennifer buying bananas on the morning of March 25th. Bananas. <laughs> it's the cheapest option. She, oh, yeah, okay. 67 cents. jesus christ according to authorities a local man believes that he saw the hearts the day before the crash but he wasn't positive it was them and he couldn't say if all six children were were present so thanks dude i don't know (laughs) maybe i saw i saw an suv i saw a family i think (laughs) (laughs) i don't know guys i can't I'm so drunk I can barely see in front of my face. I'm just a local man. <laughs> That's probably how they had him on the news. You know the little news bumper? Oh, yeah. Local man. <laughs> just a local man. Yeah. During the drive down from Washington, cell phone records show Sarah had made Google searches. You know, it's perfectly normal searches. Like, can 500 milligrams of Benadryl kill a 120-pound woman? Uh... Is death relatively painless? Uh, How long does it take to die from hypothermia and water while drowning in a car? Oh. You know. Specific things. Rather. Which are things that people Google. Well, and this was while they were driving down from Washington. So they still had to go through Oregon and California. So premeditated. Yeah. See, she... And all about her, hey? Notice yeah. that? Yeah. 
Benadryl, can it kill a 120-pound woman? Is death painless? How long will it take to die from hypothermia while drowning in a car? Why was she nervous about it? Does that mean, does that, in your opinion, does you, do you think that that leads you to believe that Jennifer's the one who concocted this entire idea? Yeah, I think Jennifer is totally the one that, she's just a bully, I think. She's just ruling over everyone. Yeah. Yeah. She's probably assuring Sarah. There's also something else that comes up too where you're like, well, fuck, Sarah was just either like a total wet rag and just would let anything happen or she was abused or she was afraid and would just do what Jennifer said or like a combination of all of it. I don't know. I just think that Mm -hmm. Sarah maybe wasn't as strong a person, strong as a personality as Jennifer maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. She she uh, searched questions like like those very specific questions on Google until six thirty p.m. that night, and then she would delete each search from her phone once she had done it. Like she'd Google, you know, is death painless? Find an answer she liked or didn't. It's the kind of shit that delete. that victims usually do to hide it from their abuser. I am. Um, yeah. But I mean, if you're Googling, if is if you're gonna die, is it painless? And are you gonna if you're gonna drown from hypothermia? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, kind of already at the end there. Yeah. At one point during the drive, the family made a pit stop at Walmart, and that's where Sarah had bought all of the. But it it wasn't Benadryl, like, because that's just the brand name of the drug. It was like a generic version of Benadryl. Right. The actual name, uh, Dyphen. Diphenhydramine. Okay. Diphenhydramine. That's what Ben. It's it's Benadryl. Yeah, Benadryl. A uh, man, another man, a lo- local man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> local man. <laughs> there was a guy that was camping near the site of the crash, and he told investigators that around 11 p.m. on March 25th, 2018, he saw a vehicle similar to the Hart's SUV parked near his campsite. A few hours later, he awoke to the sound of a car engine revving and tires on gravel. He also thought he heard some sort of cry, but he didn't realize that what he heard could be someone yelling for help until he saw news of the heart's crash the next day. So he very possibly could have witnessed by hearing that drive off the cliff. He was in the vicinity of it, yeah. Creepy. Oh, that's so unnerving. That must suck to find out like yeah. later. Oh, that's what that was. And it was like literally the worst case scenario. Yeah, exactly. So I literally all of this shit was all being uncovered, discovered, investigated, whatever, within like the first couple of weeks of, of, of finding the murder-suicide mm-hmm. site. So on uh, April 7th, which is 12 days after the SUV was discovered... A body was found in the ocean near the crash site. On April 17th, Mendocino County Coroner Division announced that through DNA analysis, the body was positively identified as 12-year-old Sierra. So they did finally recover one of the three children that Mm -hmm. had been missing. In May, another month later, and a mile away from the crash site, the sheriff's office announced that a shoe with what appeared to be bones inside of it had been found. Mm-hmm. This shoe was discovered entangled in the pant leg of a pair of girls' jeans. 
Months later, they finally confirmed through DNA analysis that the remains belonged to Hannah. So now two children have been found. Mm-hmm. And this was the only remains of Hannah that were ever found. Just the oh. fragments of, of her foot in the shoe. As the investigation continued, more documented abuse came to light. Mm-hmm. In 2008, while the family was living in Minnesota, school officials reported Hannah was stealing people's food and eating out of garbage cans or off the floor. When a teacher observed bruises on Hannah's left arm, Hannah said she had been hit by Jennifer with a belt. The teacher finally called the authorities. When the authorities got involved, Jennifer and Sarah told the social worker that Hannah had fallen down the stairs and no charges were filed. Mm -hmm. Classic. People who are abused are always like, oh, I fell down the stairs. Oh, I walked into a door. Mm -hmm. It's like, within months, all six children had been pulled out of the public school system for one year. In 2010 or 2011, it's reported both ways, the children were back in school and Abigail told the teacher that she had owies on her tummy because her mom hit her. Oh my God. There were more marks on her back and she also said that she felt very threatened by the hearts. The hearts had beaten her. They held her head in cold water because they were getting her in trouble because they thought that she had a penny that was stolen. A penny? A penny. Um, What is this? Fucking 1700s? She stole a pence. Jesus. Drown her. (laughs) Drown her? She held her head and Give her a swirly. (laughs) Well, pretty much. Oh my God. Uh, And that's not all. Jennifer took her into the bathroom Bent her over the edge of the bathtub and was spanking her like crazy. She just took this like to the... She was just taking it to 11 because she wanted to take it to 11. Exactly. The penny was like just obviously just Oh, a great. A penny. Now I have an excuse yeah. to, to literally beat you. Oh, the insult too of just being like she stole a penny. I know. It's oh probably, they're God. probably like doing laundry and was like, why is this penny in your pocket? And they probably like put it there themselves because they're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Like... It, <laughs> Who's looking for a penny in 2018? Well, this was 2010 or 11. Okay. But yeah. It was like a few years later, like we just discontinued the penny. Yeah. When when authorities became involved, all children claimed that they had been spanked constantly and deprived of food. So this deprivation of food is like going back and back and back. Like it's a very common thread. Mm Mm-hmm. Sarah took responsibility for the abuse. Uh, She was originally charged with domestic assault and malicious punishment, but she ultimately pled guilty to domestic assault, so the malicious punishment charge was dropped. And she was sentenced to 90 days in jail and one year of supervised probation. Mm -hmm. And remember, when... Abigail was telling her teacher about, like, the owies on her tummy. Mm -hmm. She was saying that all of it was Jen. It was Jennifer. Yeah. That had done this to her. But Sarah took the responsibility. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know. I don't know if that means anything, but it's just something to consider or think about. Two years later, the family had relocated to West Lynn, Oregon, uh, where they put the children in a new school. At this new school, Hannah reportedly told the school nurse that she had not eaten all day because she was grounded and was not allowed to eat. Uh. Sarah claimed that 
when the, the the nurse was obviously like called the family and was like, "Yo, your kid is saying that she's starving and she's not allowed to have lunch and she's grounded and isn't allowed to eat." Mm-hmm. And Sarah was like, "Oh, she's merely playing the food card. Just give her some water." The food card. Yeah, like it's a thing. Like yeah, that, like that's card. a fucking thing. Yeah, oh, Jesus that's just Christ. The food card. Just just ignore her. Give her some water. <laughs> it's- I know she obviously said it to make make the fucking person believe that that's a thing, but like all you get out of that is like, so your kid regularly complains about not being fed, right? And they're playing the food card. Yeah, how also, many times has she said I haven't been fed? Just playing the food card, all right. Just give her some water. That's the. One. Yeah, and not long after this, after the nurse was like, "Yo, why is your kid telling me that she's starving?" They all six of the kids were pulled out of public school and they were homeschooled from then on. Because they're going to get caught. Yeah. People are starting to ask questions. And you can't just keep saying, playing the food card. Just how nonchalant, like how normal that is. Like, If a, if a kid was like, I, I haven't eaten at all. My parents are feeding me. I'm like, I'm marching over to the cafeteria. Like right now. I, I'm not, I'm not on coming. the phone with fucking Children's Day Society or something saying, yeah. like, this kid is starving. Yeah, and I'm sure as fuck not giving that kid just water. Why? They're playing the food card. Well, you know what? You play the food card, right? It's fine. <laughs> now you're entitled to at least a 10-pack of chicken nuggies. Mmm, chimkin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, chimkin. So, yeah, pulled out, uh, pulled out of school. They're like, listen, we cannot have people asking questions anymore. So uh, there, when this is when they lived in Oregon in West Lynn, and they had a dude that lived next door to them. This neighbor they had named Bill. He said that they kept to themselves. The kids stayed indoors. He rarely saw them outside, even if the weather was it was good weather. It was really nice out. They were inside. The only contact that he had ever had with the family is when they would go out, like if one of them would go out to get mail, mm-hmm. and he was. Just always thinking, like, something isn't right here. Like, it's just weird. There's six kids, and the house is so quiet, and they never come outside. Like, mm-hmm. especially for kids who are homeschooled, so they're always home. Yeah. Literally only in the home. Like, mm-hmm. creepy. In 2013, Oregon authorities were notified by a family friend of the abuse that had happened in Minnesota. And the reports – and in this report, they were saying – there's still abuse happening. It's not just this documented stuff from Minnesota. Like, there's still something going on. Mm-hmm. So there was this investigation that the Oregon authorities conducted, and it included separate interviews of everyone in the family, and the people who had initially reported it were also interviewed. Mm-hmm. The two family friends stated that the children were forced to raise their hands before speaking, they could not wish each other a happy birthday, and they couldn't laugh at the dinner table. There were other reports that the children were poorly fed and looked small for their ages. So it's the second time we're hearing that, mm-hmm. that they seemed a lot younger than they really were. Yeah. One family friend reported that Jennifer had ordered a pizza for the children, but each was only allowed to have a small slice. When Jennifer discovered that the whole pizza was gone, that they had eaten the whole pizza, she punished the children by not feeding them breakfast and forcing them to lie on the bed for five hours. She's a fucking monster. Yeah. What kid doesn't want to eat a big piece of pizza? Also, it's a one pizza for six kids. I can eat a pizza. Yeah. Like. Yep. Disgusting. You're just asking for them to finish the pizza and then yeah. for an excuse to get them in trouble. 
The friends also stated that the children acted, quote unquote, scared to death of Jennifer. And she, the friend, likened them to, quote unquote, trained robots. Mm-hmm. Again, scared to death of Jennifer. Yep. However, the the interviews that they did, the, the authorities did, they talked to the children, all these family members, um, family friends, but the children themselves didn't reveal anything. They did not talk about any sort of the uh, abuse. They didn't give any new incidents. They already knew about the Minnesota stuff, but mm-hmm. the stuff happening present day that the family friends were reporting on, the kids didn't cooperate in any sort of way. Right. And they didn't mention they didn't even mention anything that had happened in Minnesota, even though they already knew about it. It's on record. Yeah. So when Jennifer herself was interviewed, she claimed that, quote, any family problems were the results of others not being tolerant of two lesbian mothers with six African-American children, end quote. You want to talk about playing cards? Right. Holy shit. Yep. So in the end, because the, not nothing new was coming of this and the children were not talking, just tight-lipped. Mm-hmm. The investigation couldn't conclude whether the hearts were guilty of anything abuse-wise and whether the children were unsafe in their care. Mm. But something that is is frustrating there is because during this investigation, the they had all the children go to a doctor just to be checked out. And the the doctor examined all of them and he thought that all of them were really small for their age. Yeah. They were off the growth charts for height and weight. Like they didn't even come anywhere close to where they should be. Mm-hmm. And if you're the investigators, the social workers, whoever, talking to these children, if they're terrified and they're abused, they're probably not going to say anything against their abusers. Of course not. And if they're homeschooled and they spend time with nobody else except with their abuser who is always home as well chances are jennifer is coaching them if people ask you this if people look at you this way if people ask to see this to hear about this you do not talk Mm -hmm. so it's just all really 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 frustrating and how um in the beginning i had said that they moved around a lot Mm -hmm. well after they after all of this went down they left oregon and that's when they settled in woodland washington Right. So it's just incredibly crazy, frustrating. There's authorities across at least three states that were receiving multiple warnings from multiple people, family, friends, schools, everyone that something was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wonder that the fact that they bounced around so much was the only reason it wasn't caught so much earlier. I think so. Yeah. Because they were, like I was said before, it's not like they were just moving to the city over. Like, they literally were leaving the state. Yeah. And that was the pattern with Jennifer and Sarah. Like, they went from South South Dakota to Minnesota, got married in Connecticut, moved blah, 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 blah. Like, just constantly on the go. hmm Running from their problems. Yeah. Saying, well, we had to leave South Dakota and go to Minnesota because people... When we came out as lesbians, people were unaccepting of us, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, people close to them were like, we didn't give a fuck that they were gay. Like, didn't mean anything to us. We just wanted them to be happy. We didn't care. They just kept pushing us away, isolating Mm -hmm. themselves, cutting everyone off. Like, well, if, yeah. Red flags since 2004. Yeah. And these are the same people who, you know, made an entire fabricated (laughs) life for themselves on social media. Like, yep. 
you know it's yes just exactly what you'd expect them to do so as the investigation continued they talked to anyone they could that was involved with the family's life there was this one incident report where uh, Sarah had apparently told one of her co-workers that she wished someone told her it was okay not to have a big family because then she and Jennifer would not have adopted the children. Like, I don't even... That's some that's some bullshit know. humble brag thing you do to, like, flex on someone who can't have kids. Oh, my God. Like, that's what it seems like. I wish someone told me that we didn't have to have a big family. Then we wouldn't have had so many children. Yeah, we wouldn't have had this fulfilling full household. Mm -hmm. It's like, meanwhile, they're like literally monsters. Like, come on. Well, Sarah also told a co another co-worker, the one I mentioned earlier, Cheryl, the one that had called 911 for the welfare check. Mm -hmm. Sarah had told Cheryl that... Uh, that Jennifer was was really demanding. She had obsessive behaviors. She was hard to just hard to please, hard to be around, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, don't know if that's true, but again, it all seems to come down to Jennifer being the real aggressor and ringleader and stuff. Yeah, I mean that's not to excuse Sarah at all because nope, nope, Jesus nope, fucking nope. Christ. No, nope, yeah, if you're, you're enabling it all, if you're allowing it all to go down. <sighs> Yeah, but you can Disgusting. definitely you can definitely tell that this is obviously radi radiating from Jennifer. Even just thinking about how they didn't have family, like not really, not people they saw. They moved so much, they didn't have friends in the area. The kids are homeschooled. Mm -hmm. And Sarah left the house to go to work, so just, these kids are trapped in that house every single day after day after day with Jennifer. Just oh. a nightmare. So the cops had investigators and everyone were done searching the house. They're done searching the garage site, all that. And they never found a suicide note or anything that could indicate in their own, in, in the family's words, why this happened. Obviously, there's lots of things to speculate on about the debt and the kids getting older and the abuse they literally had CPS at their door for days wanting to check on the kids. So yeah. those seem like good enough reasons to me. Well, I, for explanation, not good yeah. enough reasons to do it. Obviously it's yeah. disgusting, but. Um, yeah. But this is literally someone who just depraves. It's all they do. Of course they depraved anyone with closure. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, ultimate control and her obsessive behaviors and just like, I get the final say, this is what we're doing. Yeah. On March 18th, 2019, so just about a year um, after the tragedy, mm -hmm. the sheriff's office announced that the coroner's inquest would be presented to a jury on April 3rd and April 4th. The purpose of the inquest was for authorities to present the facts of the crash to a jury, and it was up to them to decide the manner of death for each member of the Hart family. Criminal responsibility and prosecution was impossible since Jennifer and Sarah were dead, so they couldn't charge them with anything. Mm -hmm. Tip, uh, something interesting that I uh, learned when I was doing this is that typically coroner's inquests are conducted only in cases involving like really high public interest, uh, typically around law enforcement. So if if it's an officer involved shooting or an in custody death, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the decision was made for an inquest in this case because 
of the initial like mysterious circumstances and the fact that there was so many children involved there was six kids who were yeah. murdered in this crash yeah i'm at least glad that that was a decision they made they went <laughs> look six kids died so you know fuck Let's the norm this is happening yeah yeah so a 14-member inquest jury deliberated for less than an hour and unanimously ruled the case a murder-suicide. They believed the six heart children had been intentionally killed by their adoptive mothers. A superior court judge ruled that Devante was in the vehicle at the time of the crash and a death certificate was signed on April 3rd, 2019. Because remember, to this day, he's never been found. Like, yeah. He probably just got swept right out to sea. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking awful. And this is the same one that, that was the kid who was in the picture for the hug felt yep. across the world. Yep. And now he's just lost. He's gone. That's fucking awful. Devastating. Yeah. Devastating. And just to hammer home, he's he was the oldest of his of the rest of his siblings. He was adopted with his two sisters. Mm-hmm. And his aunt, Priscilla, was trying for years to get custody of him and his yeah. sisters. Oh, my God. I, I hadn't thought about. That's why I talked about and, it. Yeah. Because they, they, she wanted those children. She wanted to take care of them. She fought for years. Mm-hmm. And each time was denied. And then they were fucking murdered. Yeah. It's horrible. One of the jurors said he was in pain sitting through the proceedings and that quote, coming up with the decision wasn't the hard part. Dealing with the whole tragedy was the hard part. So yeah. Having to make the decision, he was probably five minutes in, like, okay, fuck these women. They yeah. brutally murdered them. Yeah, literally his hardest task is just bearing witness to yep. this. Yeah, that says a lot. The Mendocino County Sheriff's Department officially closed the case and released declassified records in 2019. S- some Something that's... Pretty sad is that Dana DeKalb blames herself for what happened to the children, saying that because she reported them to CPS and the police, they took off and killed the kids. Oh, no. So she's like, I... So she blames herself for that. Yeah. She shouldn't. She definitely shouldn't. No. You cannot ever take on the responsibility of someone's just... Depravity. How would you have known? All you did was was if anything, it was because not enough people said did what you did. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the reality of it. the The reality is that Dana is not to blame. The people who who were involved in the in the system, the oversights that happened there. Yeah. And Jennifer and Sarah, they're the ones to blame. Yeah, this is like the definition of it takes a village to raise a child. Like it, well, then it takes a fucking village to save them. I think, and based on some of the articles I read, there there does seem to be people who were close to Jennifer and Sarah at some point, whether that was more Facebook friends or what, I'm not positive, mm-hmm. but still are like, no, they were good people and it was an accident. You're kidding. Nope. It's ridiculous. I didn't really include anything that they had to say in this. <laughs> yeah, I thank you for sparing us that bullshit. It just, I just don't think it's true. I don't think that you can be a good person and do this to children. I don't think you can be. No, it. If anything, it was just like they got enamored with 
everything on the surface and right. ignored everything underneath, which was the reality. Exactly. These, and then from Sarah and Jennifer's perspective, they got to adopt their two white women, two lesbians. So they already feel probably pretentious in their own right of like, well, look, we can, we are our own strong self who already have to face prejudices or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then they go and adopt young children. All of them are black children and then use them, parade them around. They're props. Political rallies, making them protest, posting very, very staged fake photos of them. And then the reality is that all of those kids are going to keep growing up. They're going to keep getting older. They're going to start having their own opinions about what you're doing to them. Mm -hmm. You cannot continue to isolate them. You want to pull them out of school and homeschool them. And mm-hmm. make the world tiny so that you are the center of their world and that's it. Mm-hmm. They're still going to grow up. They're still going to get out of that house. Yep. And you'll be exposed one way or another. And I think that, honestly, it was just too much. That part of it was too much for Jennifer or Sarah to bear. And they were like, nope, we're just going out. We're going oh. out in a fucking... In the sickest way possible because yeah. these are fucking sick people. Yep. Yeah. It's just horrible all around. Horrible. And I can't, I just, when I was reading about it, I was like, how have I never heard of this? Like, it is, it is unreal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the just absolutely devastating case of, of, of those children, all six of those children. Marcus, Jeremiah, Abigail, Hannah, Sierra, Devante, all of them. And poor Devante, who's still never been found, he's hopefully just... Resting at peace in the beautiful ocean because yeah. no one's ever found anything. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure you rate and subscribe. Please follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, where Dyson posts fire memes. Yeah. We're on Facebook. Um, you can email us to darkadaptationpodcast at gmail.com. You know, you can send case suggestions or like whatever you, or you could just like say hi. Yeah. DM us hi. on uh, Twitter or Instagram or whatever you want. That's where we're more active. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. Dyson's on the Twitter. Hit us up. We'll talk to you. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you. You can just tell us about how like great we are and how well you were doing and how much you love the show and how like much you like my research that I put a lot of time and energy into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because stuff like that means the world to us. Okay? We love you. We work so hard on each episode, so just make sure you share the show with the spooky bitches in your life. And until then, we'll catch you on the dark side. Bye. I'm all set? I'm all set. How's your head? No complaints. No, I didn't. You wailed it. (laughs) (laughs) That was good though. Ruru would be proud. Thanks. I always want to make Mama Ru proud. Mama Ru. Mama Ru. Is your your head okay though? Yeah, no complaints. (laughs) (laughs) Little ginger fucker. How'd you know my stage name? You know, I'm fed up with Aries season. Wow. Not because of what I get to do, but because of what the other Aries get away with. I'm going to always remember this moment yeah. of you saying you're fed up with fed up with Aries season. I don't want to share it. 
Well, imagine how all the other areas feel. I don't care. <laughs> Why are you sizing me up right now? I don't care. I'm not even an Aries. Just letting you know. Dead serious. Ow! <laughs> you can't do that! <laughs> he hit me! <laughs> oh. Jesus Christ. Just kidding. If anyone abuses someone here, You hit me last episode. <laughs> You're like, cut and that out. You're gonna think I, I beat this? you. Yeah, you did the cut your head off. Fine. <laughs> Your throat. Whatever. <laughs> Cut your head off. <laughs> Says something about the intensity of it all. Kill ya. Yeah. I'll kill ya, you little ginger fucker. <laughs> you doing well? Are you doing okay? I'm doing pretty good. You really do wish Aries season was over? Do you wish for everyone, that? For everyone else. Wow. No, yeah, well, it goes on for it's me. It's not even your birthday yet. I know. Soon he's gonna be 48, guys. Yeah. Did I get that wrong? Is it actually 58? <laughs> oh. Oh. Ah. I gotta mow the lawn later. <laughs> <laughs> wow, your shoes are so white. I brought my sneakers, my, my lawn my lawn mowing sneakers. They're Skechers. New Balance. Oh, I wish I could afford New Balance, but I'm on a budget. <laughs> But you finally got paid. I finally got paid. Woo! That's what I've been waiting for. That's a lot of money, baby. I got paid three out of my four outstanding invoices, so nine thousand and something. But uh, it should have been thirteen. Pradia. Mm. Thank you. we start now? Yeah, we should probably start. Yes, we're getting a caller. Go ahead, listener. Fuck you. <laughs> that is the third time this week. All right. <laughs> Producer, can you please fucking screen these calls? That child was 10. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the producer's talking to the producer. Producer? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> forgot <laughs> where am i <laughs> yeah 